from the Peppery Studios of Rodale Institute Radio at WLVT in Bethlehem, PA, it's time for another procrastinating episode of Chemical Free Horticultural Hijinks, You Bet Your Garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Can you possibly start the seeds of a favored variety of pepper plant this late in the game? On today's show, we'll reveal why peppers, hot or sweet, are perhaps the only, quote, plants of summer that will accept such tender mercies. Otherwise, it's a fabulous phone call show, cats and kittens. That's right. Potential guests are busy buying shop lights. So we will take that heap and help it. Of your telecommunicated questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and resolutely renegade ramifications. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, true believers, because it's all coming up faster than you eating homegrown peppers on Mother's Day. Right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Lehigh Valley Health Network. In life, we have many kinds of partners. School bus partners, business partners, even gardening partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life, your health? Lehigh Valley Health Network, your health deserves a partner. Welcome to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at PBS 39 WLVT in beautiful Bethlehem, PA. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, could it ever be possible to start the seeds of a pepper plant this late in the game and expect to get fruits? Yes, it is. And yes, you can. We'll tell you how in an exciting question of the week. Until then, lots of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. Chris, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being had, Chris. Where are you? I am in Vashon, Washington. What part of Washington? Washington, uh, Vashon, Washington. It's in a rural island uh, in between Seattle and Tacoma, the Puget Sound. Oh, wow. I have been not to... Say the name of the island again, because I'm missing it. Vashon, V-A-S-H-O-N. I I have been uh, to that area. Um, uh, It's just breathtaking uh, to live there. Absolutely beautiful. I I haven't been on your specific island, but um, I'm up for invitations. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime. All right. What can we do for uh, Chris in Washington State? Well, we moved into our house about three years ago, and one of the first plants that we bought and planted was rosemary. Mm-hmm. Um, it does really well here in the Northwest. We're a Mediterranean-style climate, so we have dry, warm summers and cool, wet winters. Mm-hmm. Um, so it usually does pretty well planted in the ground, but the first winter it started looking really, really sad and didn't really pick back up again in the spring, so mm-hmm. we transplanted to a pot. Uh, it did pretty well that first year in the pot. Um, and then last winter, I brought the pot inside, um, and it greened right up when it was next to our seed starting lights, um, looked great, brought it back out in the spring, and now it is yellow and sad-looking, and there's a little bit of green on there, but not a lot. Okay. And you're starting with plants you bought at, like, a garden center? Yeah, at our local nursery. Yeah, good. Um, how cold does your winter get? Generally, it doesn't get down below 20 degrees. um, And usually, if it does get that cold, it only stays there for a day or two. Okay. That is too cold for rosemary. Mm -hmm. However, um, rosemary can be tricky to grow. Uh, You, 
you, you don't have a Mediterranean climate. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Not exactly. You, 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 you have a mild climate, but if it, if it rained and missed it as much in, in Italy as it does where you are, people would move to France or something. Um, it, it is, rosemary is theoretically an easy plant to grow. I will tell you that the difference in climate uh, in terms of miles can be minuscule, but the results can be in insane. I cannot overwinter rosemary in my garden. If I'm going to try it, I need to pot it up and bring it inside. And rosemary inside is the ultimate drama queen. But in South Street, in South Philly, in Philadelphia, which is like 50, 55 miles away from my house, because of the heat sink of the city and the tall buildings and everything, rosemary over the winter not only survives, within a few years it grows into a small tree. Um, and that's, that's for two reasons. One is the heat radiated out by the buildings on a cold night in winter and the fact that it doesn't get as cold there as it does at my house. And what researchers have told me is that they think when I have lost rosemary over the winter, it is more the fact that in the winter, the soil does not drain well. It stays wet. In the summertime, obviously there's heat, there's sunshine. You get rain in the summer, but it's being absorbed by the soil much better. It's draining out of the soil. It's going back up into the air. But in the winter, the, the soil stays waterlogged. So you may be correct in that maybe your rosemary could make it through your winter, but only under certain conditions. Now, you know, this you know, makes me always look like I'm changing my mind about things because I'm always telling people never improve the soil in the planting hole. Never improve the soil in the planting hole. You want the plants roots to have to go out into your native soil. Uh, the one exception I always cite is blueberries, which need a soil so acidic, you really got to fill that hole back up with a lot of peat moss. I'm going to make another exception for you. Now, are you flat earth, raised bed? Um, we do both. Okay. Um, and what are your raised beds filled with? You know, what did um, you... When you built them. Mostly. No, no, Onion. no, no, the soil, the soil. Oh, the soil. Oh, oh, it's a combination of uh, one-third topsoil, one-third compost, one-third perlite. Oh, okay. So theoretically, that should drain well. Mm -hmm. Very well. With the poor, uh, with the poor light. <laughs> um, and it, it, in this bed, has rosemary become deceased? Uh, no, no, we haven't planted rose, the rosemary in any other raised beds yet. Okay. Um, I suggest you do that. Um, the extra drainage could really help. I was going to suggest that if, if you weren't using that, that you make a new planting hole with one-third perlite in it. But you already have that. That may make the difference. Now, where you are, where your garden is located, are there any structures nearby? Um, just the house. Um, so our... Uh, Property is very sunny, um, but there is a spot on the north side of the house that doesn't get very much sun. Okay, so that's a protected spot, but it's not ideal for that. Yeah. So what I'm going to suggest is, um, you know, rosemary, if it's going to do well, 
is going to do well outdoors with protection and then trying to bring it inside. Um, so plant, you should be able to still find some, some good herb, man, um, mm -hmm. at your garden center, <laughs> you know, hopefully. And, you know, if not, I don't know about the West Coast, but do you see those rosemary Christmas trees during the holiday? Oh, yeah. Because that's a lot of rosemary. The thing, mm. the thing about them is that they're pot-bound because sometimes that's two or three big plants jammed in together to that little pot. So you can try it now, but you could also wait to the holidays, buy one of these rosemary Christmas trees, you know, buy the one that smells the freshest and is the most supple, take it home, immediately break it up. You know, bust up, bust up the root ball if it's a single plant, break it into individual plants if it's multiples, and plant those in your raised bed with the most perlite in it. And plant them in a way that they can be protected. On any night where it drops below freezing, I would like to see you have a cloche, which is the classic cloche is a beautiful glass bell that fits over the top of the plant. They're fragile, they're expensive, and they're stunningly beautiful. You could also use uh, a device called the wall of water, which is used to protect tomato plants that are put out early in the north. Um, this is, you know, the, the frozen pops you would eat as a kid, the ones that come in a plastic rectangle and you keep pushing it up? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a it's a tent of these that are kind of sewn together, and you the tops are open. You fill them with water. They absorb heat from the sun during the day, radiate it back to the plant at night. There's also a physical barrier against frost settling on them. Or you could rig up some simple hoops and just cover the plants with uh, reme with row covers. Again, just on a freezing cold night, I I would imagine. Uh, 80 to 90 percent of the time you're just going to be able to leave it out there and the last thing I'll say is there is a variety if you want to seek this out next season it may not be immediately available for you now but there is a variety called ARP ARP which is supposed to be more cold hardy which for me only means it was the last rosemary in my garden to die <laughs> <laughs> you know, made it to, made it to the first of February. It really, really uh, blindsided me. Um, but that may give you a little bit of an edge. But I think if you've got the drainage and you're ready to protect the plant on excessively cold nights, that you might be able to turn it into a tree over years. Sounds great. We'll give it a shot. All right. Good luck to you, sir. Roland, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hello, Roland. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Roland. How are you, man? Good, thank you. And where is Roland oh, good? Um, I'm standing in uh, Princeton, New Jersey. Okay, in Princeton. That's uh, a very nice place. What can we do for Roland in Princeton? Well, I have this uh, sort of weird problem that I have several uh, burning bush, which the uh, leaves turn red in the uh, fall, that uh, all grow very well, like uh, zero care. You need to give them, and uh, they they just uh, you know uh, grow and grow. But uh, one of them right next to the fence, to the neighbor, all of a sudden died. They mm -hmm. they 
it came out from the winter fine, but uh, at the uh, um, start of July, that I noticed the older leaves started to become brown, and now it's to me now it's completely dead, oh. and that's the uh, um, strongest, biggest um, burning uh, bush that I have in my in my backyard. Right. So I I wonder. What could happen to it? I can think of two things off the top of my head. You say this is the one closest to your neighbor's house? Yes. Do you think there's a chance that they may have used herbicides close to the tree or had their lawn treated and there was some herbicide runoff into your burning bush? Yeah, that's that's the main concern, but I didn't see their side that they have any because they have the lawn and they I didn't see any you know brown mark on their on their side so I don't know and uh, the uh, the tree is sitting on some built up uh, dirt so it's higher so I didn't see any runoff onto that, okay. that area and so. you say it's it's on a, a built up area are the other trees on to a built up area. Yeah, there are two uh, burning bush right next to it, uh, a, a little bit space, like normal uh, tree space. Uh, right. To, yeah. And? But they are all fine. They okay. look fine to me. Is this an area where water collects around the, the middle tree? No. The uh, water actually, because of the buildup, and uh, there is a uh, running, the um, runoff, uh, like a... Uh, um, place right next to it that the water will just get into that runoff place. Right. Well, I mean, uh, have you seen uh, the neighbors outside spraying or have you seen a service, lawn service over there? Well, they have uh, hired a lawn service, but uh, I didn't notice that because we, we are quite busy <laughs> and they probably are, uh, you know, operating at daytime. I didn't see any this kind of activity. Okay. Uh, uh, do you get along with your neighbors? We don't have much of or any interaction before. Right. But uh, we, I'm a, a friendly guy. They they have some like uh, stuff uh, like a strong flew onto a, a tower tree in my in my yard and and I actually helped them to remove the and I mean take it down. So you say they they had a drone that flew into one of your trees? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so good. <laughs> you had a little bit of contact with them. Um <laughs> I would I would knock on their door or you know at a you know at an easy time on a weekend or something or if you see them in the yard go hey, <laughs> listen, I don't want to, you know, create any problems, but uh, you know, take a look at this burning bush here. It is the one <laughs> closest to your house. Um, uh-huh. Do you think there's any chance that your lawn service sprayed some herbicide and it carried accidentally? Um, uh-huh. Because uh, what you're describing, you say that if there was herbicide in the lawn, it would not wash off onto your property, right? No. Uh-huh. But sometimes they will also spray, you know, actually uh-huh. put sprays into the air. And if it got uh-huh. onto your burning bush, it could well defoliate and kill it. The symptoms you describe are uh, Mm -hmm. like herbicide poisoning. The other possibility is uh, just it's it's an area with really poor drainage. 
you didn't notice any insects, there were no holes in the leaves or any kind of warning sign? No. So what I would do no is I would ask them. And, okay. And if they say, yeah, we got a guy who was spraying along uh, the fence line or whatever for weeds, you know, ask them to keep an eye on them and just be super careful. I would take uh -huh. I would take out the burning bush and I would maybe replace it with a different plant. I I, yeah. real, I realize you had three in a row there, but you know uh -huh. you're never going to get the middle one to be the same size as the other two. So yeah. if there's enough room and this is kind of a little privacy thing, maybe get a nice ornamental grass, a nice tall ornamental grass. And then you'll have a burning okay. bush on the left, a burning bush on the right, and something that complements it in the middle. That's a great idea. That's why I get the big money, Roland. <laughs> well, it's time for me to take a little break and salute the Philadelphia Folk Festival on its 58th anniversary. The longest-running outdoor music festival in North America actually takes place outside of Philly in the otherwise sleepy little town of Schwenksville, and it's happening this weekend. I've been attending since 69, and this year will be no exception. So if you spot me at Fest, be sure to come up and say hello. Unless David Crosby is on stage, then wait. But don't go perusing this year's lineup online just yet, because we'll be right back to grow peppers in December and take more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at WLVT in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Rodale Institute, hosting a Fall on the Farm event on Saturday and Sunday, September 21st and 22nd. Visitors can enjoy organic apple and pumpkin picking, wagon tours, food vendors, live music, and more. Details at RodaleInstitute.org. The Rodale Institute, because the future is organic. Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at WLVT in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, a shocker. We can and should plant the seeds of very special pepper plants right now. That's right, in August in the Northeast. How is this going to be accomplished? You won't want to miss it. And you won't. Nancy, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Hello, Nancy. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you. And where is Nancy doing well? I'm in Edmond, Oklahoma. Okay. What can we do you for? Well, we had in May and June, I think we had maybe 12 or 14 inches of rain, huge mm. rain, big rain. Yeah. And so everything was saturated. And then it was still saturated. It's still been raining like every other day. And then July 3rd, we had seven inches in less than two hours. Oh. And, yes, the den flooded, and um, a lot of things flooded. But what I'm calling you about, unless you know how to fix den floors, is the the water came up from the Bardich. We have a little acreage, and we have a gate to the road, and the water came up over the front, the front yard, which is like about an eighth of an acre, and it washed out so quickly. It came up, and then it went down into the drain areas and stuff. It washed away our grass. Yep. 
mm-hmm. and dirt. Mm-hmm. And, and we have giant tree roots exposed that I can't mow over. But most importantly, the few areas we grow grass <clears throat> are now sand, literally sand. That might be a nice look for Oklahoma, Nance. <laughs> well, I guess it might be, but the occasional weed will grow. But I, I'd rather, I mean, it's too much expanse to do something like a zero escape. Right. Um, so what do we do to get back to where I can mow without the jolting of going over roots? And we can, how do we reestablish topsoil? And I, it's just amazing to me that it's just all gone. And it's like no, no. lower than it was. Same thing happened to me years and years ago. I decided to take advantage of timing. And in August, I ripped up my entire backyard, and around August 30th, I put down a seed of turf-type tall fescue right before rain was predicted, so then Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have to water it. Well, the rain turned out to have a name, and the name was Ivan. And (laughs) three days later, my new lawn was in the basement of someone living in Mukunji. So this does does happen. now, do you know what kind of grass you had before? Was it cool season or warm season? We had a, a pretty good amount of Bermuda and then some fescue. The main area I'm talking about is probably half and half fescue and Bermuda. It gets some sun, enough for the Bermuda, but it gets enough shade that the fescue did well there. Oh, okay. Well, it, it wasn't a- organized. It was just the way it was, and we don't do anything to our lawn except leave lawn clippings on it. Um, and water it when it looks pretty awful. Right. You know? Well, uh, and, you know, in many cases, clippings clippings alone can feed a lawn and, and keep it sustained. Um, mm-hmm. The interesting thing is um, to establish a new fescue lawn, you would start soon. You you would uh, oh. you would put the seed down at the end of August to establish okay. a warm season grass in there, like Bermuda or zoysia grass. You would do that work in the spring. Uh, did the Bermuda oh. turn tan over the winter time? Yes, yellow. You didn't mind? No, no, and it would always come back and be nice. But, oh, yeah, yeah. But mostly fescue, and so I would, do I need to put dirt, or will it grow in this? This is sand, I mean, like you'd find in an aquarium almost. No, I'm Maybe cool. Uh, yeah, and did you know that you had sandy soil? Yeah, we're about a mile from a lake, so, um, okay. yeah, we do have sandy soil. But okay, you go so, down about a foot, it's clay. Okay, well, that's not that's not so. bad. Um Okay. So, um, what's going to prevent this from happening again? If we get, if you get another biblical rain, can you build a, a berm or something where the water rushes well, in? The the bar ditch is like eight feet deep, up the slope down, down, mm-hmm. down, and then up to the road. So, I I don't know what I don't know that we want to make that any deeper. Okay, all right. It so, also is where the water runs off from the neighboring properties. Right. And goes so, under our driveway into a runoff area. Okay. Like. Yeah. Um, if there's a way, I mean, uh, and, and these kind of storms overwhelm even the biggest pipes, but if there's a way to install a drain pipe um, that starts before your lawn, that may be something you want to think about. But the bottom mm-hmm. line here is you want to locate a, a big supply of compost. Um, okay. And talk to uh, your local. Like a truckload. Uh, well, there's different size trucks. I'm not sure how big your your lawn is. Um, a huge load of compost, like 10 yards, seems to disappear. So luck, uh-huh. where I am, I can buy aged mushroom soil, and I can get, like, oh. you know, a, a, a huge load. It used to be for 100 bucks, but now gas is much more expensive. So, mm-hmm. but, yeah, I mean, 10 yards or so of finished compost, if there's 
you know, there might be mushroom soil available in your area. You never know these yeah, things. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, uh, you want mm -hmm. aged if you get that. And really what you're gonna do is you might wanna hire some people or, or throw a party, but you literally mm -hmm. just yeah. wanna spread it around on top of the sand un okay. until you can't see. Well, you know, as much as you're as much as you're willing to do the work, maybe you spread okay. it out over a couple of seasons. You start around the house in the visible area. Ideally, to honestly answer your question, about an inch to an inch and a half. Okay. And then same with the tree root area. Cover. Well, you want to cover the tree roots completely with the compost. Mm -hmm. You know, okay. just for ease of mowing, and the compost yeah. may settle, and the the tree roots may come back up. Just keep shoveling compost over them, uh, but don't cover the trunk okay. of the tree. Okay. So, um, and, then, and then seed that. Yes. Um, in fescue in the in August, and then anytime, the, anytime, the really, where you are between August fifteenth and mid September. Um, okay. Just spread the seed around, rake it into the compost, you know, keep it well watered, try to time it uh, to a non-tropical rain. And, mm, yeah. um, you know, you should get good growth. It should really establish well over the winter. And then in the spring, you'll want to be ready to add uh, your uh, warm season grass, whether it's zoysia grass or the Bermuda. I would stick with the Bermuda because you had success with it. And... Mm -hmm. um, you know, if if the area is huge, just pretty big. Yeah, yeah spread out the work. Um, okay. It would be better for you to use all your compost on one third of the area if that gives you the correct depth, than to spread the compost mm -hmm. too thin and try to do it all. Okay, sure. Would I? Would that be better than doing sod? Whoa! Do you know how much sod would cost in an area as big as you're uh, describing? Probably a lot. A, a huge lot. amount. <laughs> huge amount sod is sod is great sod is perfect uh, but sod is expensive and it needs to be professionally installed because you know the sod itself um has quite a bit of depth to it including its root system so a lot of times excavation needs to be done uh, so that the sod will now be level with the other parts of your landscape it's not really level where we are we we go with the lumps and bumps yeah sod is uh, sod is best it, you know, if you're a regular fella and not a Rockefeller, sod is best. <laughs> We're not Rockefellers, for, but we got a lot of for small it, spaces. Um, would and it, would I you, have to put the compost and then have it sodded, or would the sodding people, sodding people, the, do all that? The, uh, when you get sod, it already is incorporated with soil. Oh, so they just literally lay it over the Correct. area. Yeah. Well, first they scrape away enough of what you got so the sod is at the right height after it's done okay. but then yeah it's your game to lose oh. it's a living carpet if you want to and you think you can match it up you can always sod around the house in the most visible areas the areas you use mm -hmm. and then seed the yeah. areas beyond that that's that's probably what we would do and then somebody told me something about plugs well Is that's that yeah no uh all the cool season grasses are established by seeds the warm okay. season grasses are established by plugs. So that's zoysia grass and mm -hmm. Bermuda grass. Yeah. You would plant into your lawn that you grew in the fall. You would put these plugs in in the spring. Oh. And so, you, you could plug the whole yeah. lawn with zoysia or uh, Bermuda grass, but it would take time to fill in. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and you know, go online. And out between the plugs? Pardon? 
if we have big rain, then it would maybe still wash out between the plugs if we had big rain. Well, you, you, you know, you're, you're in a biblical climate a lot of times, so there's not much you can okay. do about that. But here's what you want to okay. do. You want to talk to your local nursery and garden center, uh, find okay. out what the cost of their sod will be. Sod is best available in the spring, um, and it has to be used immediately. It can't sit for days at a time or it'll lose its mm -hmm. vigor. And then go online, investigate the cost of zoysia plugs and uh, Bermuda grass starters, and, you know, calculate your area. See, you know, give yourself a mm -hmm. budget here and see, see what you can do. But if you want to do the same thing you did, you get a load of compost delivered now, spread it an inch or two deep, seed into that as soon as possible after it's all settled, and then put plugs in of your other grasses in the spring. Okay, that's a plan. Thank uh, you so much. All right, good luck to you. Appreciate it. Eight three three seven two seven ninety five eighty eight. Gina, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you. Well, thank you, Gina. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I am just ducky, thanks for asking. Where is Gina Fine? I'm in Rosemont, PA, little town called Garrett Hill. Okay, very good. What can we do for you? Okay, I have a question. I have a beautiful, beautiful, huge Japanese maple tree out back. Okay. And I put light, I stranded lights around it, and it looked beautiful. Mm -hmm. And um, through the years... The squirrels just kept going to the tree, and they eat my wires. Ha! They eat your lights? They eat the lights. Oh, and that's amazing. A new level of evil for the evil squirrels. <laughs> and I've tried, well, you know, people said to put the owl out. I did that. They'd probably and eat the owl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I would love to know how to be able to string lights on my beautiful tree and... Keep them there. Yeah, you're lucky they're not eating the tree. You know, yeah. generally, when we have a squirrel question like this, they're going into people's gardens and eating their tomatoes and stuff, and the first thing that comes to mind is a motion-activated sprinkler. But I'm not sure we want to be shooting water into uh, electric wires. So back when I was the editor of Organic Gardening in the 1990s, we got questions about pack rats from out west. Pack rats are these little mouse-like creatures that would go under the hoods of cars and they would eat the insulation oh, off wow. of the wiring. I guess if you're a long-tailed servant of Satan, that, ru <laughs> that rubber coating tastes good. I mean, and you haven't even had the, uh, you know, the payback of finding an electrified squirrel or anything, huh? No. You know, like the <laughs> like the suicide squirrels who throw themselves on the transformers. Yeah, no, no. So what we found out at Organic Gardening, uh, what everyone suggested and what seemed to work well was to coat the wiring with hot pepper spray. Now, there is a product out there. I think it's, it's simply called something like hot pepper wax. It comes in a little spray bottle. It's red. Of course, it has to be red for hot peppers. And do you take you take the lights off or just don't light them during the off-season? I light them uh, 
through all the seasons. Through all the seasons. Okay. <clears throat> I, I don't want it to hurt my tree. Okay, so you light the tree all season long. Right now, do you have any damaged wires? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> you know, maybe— and I don't want to do it again unless it's foolproof. Well, you know, I'm the fool that's going to try to prove it. I just wish this call were in January because you could go to Walmart or something and get the lights for, like, 25%. Uh, that's what I usually do. Yeah. So what I'm, what I'm going to suggest is you either, you know, ha the tree is pretty tall. Oh, yes. Yeah. You, 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 <laughs> might, you might have to get help. There, I don't think there's anything you can do that doesn't involve um, getting a hand onto the wires that's going to keep these vermin away. But if you can get hot pepper wax or hot pepper spray or even a real good deer repellent, especially a concentrated deer repellent, and you're not going to dilute it. Although the hot pepper wax has the advantage because it's the hot peppers are in, in kind of involved with a waxy coating and the rain doesn't wash it off. Okay. So what you wanna do is spray that wiring and spray it over and over and over again until it has a lot of hot pepper on it. Um, and that should keep them away. Uh, we know that when um, I don't advocate feeding birds in, uh, in, in the summertime because the seed gets all over it, attracts mice and evil right. squirrels and stuff like that. But for people who insist uh, to keep the squirrels out, I tell them just get a big, uh, a big jar of hot pepper shake like they have in the Italian restaurant to put on your pizza and stuff. Right. And mix that in with the bird seed because birds actually like hot peppers. Hot peppers in the wild are one of their big foods in the West oh. and in South America. So, you know, the idea is this coating, this vinyl coating on your lights is very tasty to them. So the yeah. only two things I can think of would be, you know, coat the wires with hot pepper spray or if you have the opportunity, if you're just going to replace the whole thing once, um, maybe cut. I am going to replace them because it's. Yeah, because there's too many of them out. Um, really soak that wiring before it goes up in hot pepper, but a waxy hot pepper so that you, because this is not something you're going to be reapplying. So the okay. deer repellent would have to have a good, what we call a sticker sprayer on it and it would have to be long lasting. I think the hot pepper wax is exactly what you're looking for, but it has to be something where their teeth meet the tree because otherwise they're relentless, they're acrobatic, they're intelligent, they have nothing better to do with their time than drive us crazy. And your local squirrels have developed a taste for, uh, you know, vinyl wire, wire covering. Yeah. yeah, okay, that sounds great. I will try that. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and alert listeners who need to improve or just plain plant a cool season lawn of fescue and or bluegrass that the time to do so is now. The soil temperature is perfect for speedy germination and there's plenty of time for the grass to get big and strong before winter. And seeding a lawn does not work well in the spring. But don't go selecting your seed just yet, because we'll be right back to plant peppers in August and take more of your August phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at WLVT in Bethlehem, PA.
Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at WLVT in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we will reveal why it is a wise idea to plant pepper seeds now in August, just when the back-to-school supplies are being pulled off the shelves. We will tell you this amazing story after a couple more of your fascinating phone calls at 833-727-9588. Joan, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you. Well, thank you, Joan. How are you? Very hot. (laughs) (laughs) And where is Joan hot? In Feasterville, Pennsylvania. That's north of Philadelphia. Right. Okay, good. What can we do for Joan in Feasterville? Well, I have a problem with feral cats in my area. Right. And a neighbor uh, took this. I'm talking like 14 or so. They had two litters. Yeah. And uh, she took two of them and got them the trap, neuter, and uh, return. Right, right, good. So, good. of course, they brought them back. Mm-hmm. And she takes care of them outside of her house because they do not get along with her indoor cat. Right. And so now they've decided she put a litter box out there for them, but she told me they sleep in it. <laughs> Well, I found out where they are using the litter uh, in my tomato bed. Oh, yes. It's a, it's a constant problem when you've got oh, feral cats well, nearby. That, it was new to us. Usually we do put the mesh fencing around it. Right. It's a raised bed. And this year, because of the weather, I only got one tomato plant in there. Usually I put in at least two. Right. But uh, it was rainy and chilly and all that after Mother's Day. Yeah. So I didn't get it in until the uh, the day before Memorial Day. Right. It's, well, and that's that's perfect timing for tomatoes. You don't want to put them out too early. Yeah, it was, right. It well, was I was a, looking at the garden place. I was trying to get the records, and they didn't have any there. So right. I ended up with the uh, Better Boy. Oh, that's a very good tomato, yeah, from Burpee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I found out from your show about the Rutgers, and I got that mm-hmm. other years and liked it. And It's uh, a great all-purpose tomato, and it may be the original, quote, Jersey tomato. Oh, so, okay. It is good. Yeah. So, um, well, and um, so you want to keep the cats out of your bed. Do you have any other concerns? Well, I did put, uh, we have mesh, uh, like a, you know, like a... Uh, Chicken wire? Kind of. And we put it in with stakes, which normally once the plant starts growing, then we put that around. In the beginning, it's too small. Right. So when my husband noticed all these little flies around, oh. he went digging and found, you know, the cat poop. Right. And then, uh, and since then, well, we had the, we put up the mesh the same day. Mm-hmm. And like, usually I put like, just eggshells. We don't use any chemicals or anything. Right. So I put like eggshells in once in a while when I have them. Right. And uh, I was afraid to even put that in. I wasn't sure if it was going to be safe when the tomatoes ripened. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that's not a concern. The big concern is humans. You want to wear gloves every time you work in that garden soil because it could well be contaminated with disease that could harm you. 
okay. you, if you don't have garden gloves you really like using, go to a sporting goods store or a Walmart and get baseball batting gloves. They come in all different sizes. They fit tight to your hand and they offer the perfect kind of protection. And they're the gloves I don't mind wearing. I always put them on because I can still okay. work and feel what I'm doing. It's very because I use, um, well, I have a big rose bush, and I've learned the hard way, so I get those big long gloves. Yeah, right, the leather gauntlets. They come up to your almost. <laughs> right. Um, I, uh, yeah, but you have to be careful because, you know, after the batting gloves can be washed. Okay. And oh, okay. So you don't mm -hmm. want to be cross-contaminating. You want to have a dedicated pair of gloves for working in that raised bed. Right. Now, uh, what else Do is Do you it think with the, um, with the cats being fixed that it would still have the problems with Oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. Um, cats... Uh, Cats have soft paws. They're walking around outdoors. They can pick up parasites um, at, at any time of day or night. Now, uh, what else is in the bed besides a tomato plant? That's it. And uh, just some flowers, like on the end. I want you to get more of this mesh you're talking about. Okay. And a pair of wire cutters. And cut it to fit and lay it on the surface of the bed. And push oh, it down. Okay. Cats will not go to the bathroom in soil that they can't scratch up afterwards. Oh, okay, because I have uh, a big tree out front, and I noticed they've been going in there since they couldn't get into the flower bed, so maybe I'll do that with there, too. Yeah, just, uh, you know, uh, chicken wire is perfect for this. Just push it into the soil. Um, and, you know, what I always tell people, if, whether you like it or not, I would put out a covered litter box as well, um, and maybe they'll use that in, instead of your garden soil. Um, it, can, it can be very difficult to control. If you had a large garden where they were doing this, I would recommend a motion-activated sprinkler that would spray them with cold water whenever they came on to your, mm -hmm. your property. Um, but trap, neuter, release, I'm very much in favor of. You know, all these kittens are going to have to be trapped, neutered, and released, too. Well, fortunately, she did get um, some friends to take in the kittens. Oh, okay. So there's so only... That was good. So it narrowed it down. Yeah. But, um, and they you know, and I, I usually, I don't have pets, but I do like cats and dogs and all, but... Right, good. <laughs> these... These are getting annoying. Okay. One other thing I would recommend if you, if you see the flies and stuff around the tree line or something like that, go out and buy a really potent deer repellent and spray it over that area. Uh, okay. you're, you're looking for a repellent that's active ingredient is putrescent egg solids, literally rotten eggs. And uh, no animal wants to go near anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but next year, start out your uh, your raised bed with the chicken wire already down. And then when it comes time to put your tomatoes in the ground, just cut holes the, uh, the appropriate size in the chicken oh, wire. Oh, okay. And I, do, I was alternating to another spot on the other side of my yard. Yeah. But then but, my husband was saying, oh, well, he didn't think you had to do that with the raised bed. Yes, yes. No, verticillium wilt affects the plants no matter what kind of medium they're growing in. So mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. You want to rotate your tomatoes and any okay. place. Okay, I was wondering about that, and he said with the raised bed you didn't have to. No, that's not true. But uh, I can, I can yeah. switch. And uh, and like suddenly the husband's going to be right. Come on. Uh, <laughs> so any of these beds, make sure you put the chicken wire down first, and the cats won't go there.
Okay, that sounds good. All right, good luck, Joan. Well, thank you. I appreciate your help. My pleasure. You take care now. It is time for a startling question of the week. Cats and kittens, yes, you can start pepper plants in August. John in South Philly writes, is it too late to plant peppers from seed? I have a very special variety that looks like a hot pepper but is really sweet. I love them, but I got bad seed this spring. Now I got good seed. Is it too late to get them in? No, John, it is not too late. And I probably would not say that about any other plant. But peppers are special both to me personally, they are tied with garlic as my favorite crop, and in their ability to survive many seasons. Now, if you were in a hot, hot zone like Southern California, Southern Texas, or below the frost zone in Florida, it would be the perfect time to start all of the, quote, summer crops from seed. As summers in these regions are just too tarred for plants that love summer weather in the mid-Atlantic and north. Heck, if you live somewhere like Las Vegas or Phoenix, it might still be too early to start plants from seed, as humans have not yet emerged from their underground lairs there. In Pennsylvania, it is much too late to start tomatoes, eggplant, squash, and stuff. But what makes John so special, besides the fact that he lives in South Philly, where he might even be able to walk to the old original Nick's Roast Beef at 20th and Jackson and get the world's most amazing sandwich, Unlike tomatoes, squash, melons, etc., peppers are perennial. They will live for many years if protected from frost. I remember being in Santa Fe one time and seeing habanero plants the size of small trees that were decades old. But you don't have to live in Santa Fe to perennialize your peppers. You just have to cheat a little. And remember, all you kids out there, cheaters always win. So, Let's start these seeds in containers. 12-inch pots are ideal, as you can place four of them under a regular shop light that's fitted with two four-foot-long fluorescent tubes. But because you're starting your peppers at the end of summer, beginning of fall, you don't have to mess with the lights right away, the way you would in spring, when growing from seed indoors can be treacherous, especially when you try it without artificial light which is when gardeners learn that, quote, a sunny windowsill means death to your tomatoes. And if you think that's bad, you're going to grow these puppies over the winter, when sunny windowsill means weak light for several hours a day and freezing cold death at night. Always remember that avoiding death is the number one goal in gardening and in life. Now, make sure your containers have good drainage. Fill them with a, quote, soil-free mix. This may be called seed starting mix, professional mix, or potting soil. It is the medium, that's what we call this stuff, that pros use to start the plants you buy at garden centers in the spring. It typically contains milled peat moss plus a little lime or wood ash to counteract the acidity of the peat, perlite and or vermiculite for drainage, and some compost. 
It should not contain chemical fertilizers, no matter how miraculous they are claimed to be, or bogus water-holding crystals. Natural nutrients like worm castings and such are fine. In fact, they are the sign of a very high-quality potting soil. Now, fill each pot with your mix most of the way and then saturate it with water by placing the container in a sink with a couple of inches of H2O for a while. Place four seeds in each container, cover the seeds with half an inch of potting soil, and then let the containers drain for a while. Keep these pots in a warm spot or place them right outside. Germination should be speedy either way. Once the first sprouts are up, make sure the baby plants go outside into full sun. Or, if you think that rats, mice, groundhogs, weasels, deer, wombats, or such will eat the tender young sprouts, go directly to indoors under lights. If you do choose to leave them outside for a while, which is an excellent choice, be a coward. Cowards also always win. And be sure to bring them indoors the first time it dips below 50 degrees at night. Place your containers under the lights with the tips of the plants no more than an inch away from the tubes. Make sure you can either raise the lights or lower the plants as we proceed. I keep mine up on books and keep taking books out. At four weeks of age, feed everybody with a dilute liquid organic fertilizer, at least everybody that's a plant. If you use a granular fertilizer, be sure to cover it with a little bit of compost or potting soil afterwards. Do not use chemical fertilizer. If you do, I will find you. Feed your plants lightly every four weeks or so until we get to Thanksgiving, and then use a small pair of scissors to limit the number of successful sprouts to ideally one and maximum two per pot. If you have four great-looking plants in every pot and you oppose capital punishment, Go out and get another set of lights and more pots. Feed gently once a month and keep the plants close to those tubes. If you do this halfway right, you will have big flowering, maybe even fruiting plants ready to go outdoors in the spring. And do that when the long range forecast shows nights reliably in the 50s. You'll be harvesting fully ripe peppers by the 4th of July. Well, that sure was some surprising advice about growing late-in-the-game peppers, now wasn't it? Luckily, you can read those instructions over at your leisure or leisure, because the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. Just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you will always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes! My producer is threatening to dim my lights if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 1-833-727-9588 or send us your email, your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. To save a lot of time and frustration, please include your location. 
you'll find all of this contact information, plus answers to your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of old shows, and links to our internationally renowned podcast at our website, YouBetYourGarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Rodale Institute Radio in association with WLVT PBS 39 in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created by Harold and Nancy McGrath. Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda McGrath. Check out her fine work at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Tavia Minnick is our associate producer of Production Association. Our website wonder is Anastasia Weckerly. Our audio editor is Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director is Javier Diaz. Our producer is Ayman Not Here. Our occasional cameraman is Jeff Frederick. Zach Tatakwizneski is in the house. CEO Tim Fallon might be in the house, but if he is, he's late for a meeting. He is also still not our executive producer. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and I'm off to the Folk Fest, and I'll either see you there and or again here next week. This is the ticket. Oh, it is, is it? Beautiful night. I got my best girl with me. Although, you know what could make it even better? Let me guess. Some mint chocolate chip. Bingo. You always get a little sappy when that sweet tooth kicks in. Partners since the beginning. Throughout life, you have many different partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life? Your health. Lehigh Valley Health Network. Your health deserves a partner. Learn more at lvhn.org. Evil squirrels may be the worst enemy of intrepid gardeners. I'm Mike McGrath, and on the next thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden, we'll list your options when the long-tailed servants of Satan have nothing better to do than bite into your tomatoes. Plus your fabulous phone calls. That's on the next You Bet Your Garden.